Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Sean Cole. And to my right, still filling in for a calm heron is... Dominic Phelan. And also we have a fourth... Dino Killen. Oh, baby. Welcome back, Daniel. Welcome back, Domo. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Uh, just on a side note, that heron has obviously continued a success at the Edinburgh French Festival. He's now been invited to Hollywood to direct porn films. Set out. So he will not be back. No, my joke, he's back, he's back next week. <laughs> he's back next week, like... Definitely. I we think so. <laughs> we don't know. He keeps getting these odd jobs out there. Hello? But he's very vague about what the jobs are. He's all got this camera <laughs> job. Escort. Aye. But he was all... Aye, definitely. My escort. Worse, my escort too. Hey. <laughs> but uh, it was... <laughs> just <laughs> lazy and stinking a drink and just like... Aye. Isn't that heavily? Not even fucking shagging a boy or shagging. Like, just eating crisps. That's it. Aye. How many crisps do you? Yeah. Any good takeaways around here? Just fucking... Paid. Paid and potato just. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, he will be back next week. But he's, he's been very vague about the job. He's all, I got, I got a wee camera job. And I was like, right, sweet. That's that's powerful, of course. And then he was all, I've been playing about a keyboard too. And I was like, oh, what the fuck is that man actually I doing? I know, he messed me out. He's like, oh, I'm gigging the drama. Yeah, yeah. There's photo evidence of yeah, him with a keyboard. Not quite sure. Mm. Mm, anyway. The, the mystery continues. <laughs> yeah, the man <laughs> in the ether. Call him <laughs> <Harry>. <laughs> right. But yeah, another thing I wanted to bring up before we go into Danger Bottle is last week's episode went up late. We had some upload problems, and also no. When, when Mikey says up, upload up problems, problems, he, he means <laughs> yeah, his upload problem is the fact that he was too fucking hungover to bottle up. I'm not fair though. I I, I was in the room where he edits up till about five p.m. So I mean, it's yeah. partly my fault as Playing well. Playing too much Rocket League. Playing too much Rocket League, actually. Me and Dan, after everyone else left. Just I really couldn't Rocket call League. what we were saying playing. You know I mean, really failing <laughs> miserably at playing Rocket League. A lot, yeah. lot of butt mashing going on there. like. <laughs> but yeah, so that was... But there was upload problems as well. <laughs> so yeah, that went up in the middle of the week. And then, inevitably, the midweek games podcast that was supposed to go up didn't go up because I was very busy at work and I had a very tough week. And I'm just so happy to be in this lovely podcast tent. Ah, oh, how nice. It is the yeah. delight of my week. May also astound the listener that Mickey does have a job outside of this. <laughs> you know, we've said before that he loves in this tent. We, we were Do actually laying. Me too, say. Graphic designer, baby. For his dad. What about Not that? Not a graphic designer. <laughs> well, you help. You're the graphic designer's aide. <laughs> Assistant to the graphic designer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I print things. That's what I do. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Nothing good, though. Hopefully, hopefully the games podcast will go up in the middle of this week. Lovely stuff. Unless terrible things.
Unless you get <laughs> super hungover. No, again. promise, promise, it will go up. You've you've heard me now, listeners. I the thing is, well, I won't man, disappoint you. Like they will hear this whenever it is up. So it's not like yeah, no. you, you know what I mean. Like you know, you, you, it's not like they're gonna hear you right now. Thank God, thank God, last Sunday our phones are going off the fucking hooks. And mm. boys phone up from Korea. You are on a, a day earlier as well, so you have a whole day tomorrow. Unless yeah. you're working tomorrow. No, I'm not working. <laughs> Work a weekend. I plan on getting up plebs. Cheers, cheers, Sam. Fucking me and Um Okay, so I believe the one and only Dan Kellen has the danger bell this week. Yeah, introduce uh, it. It's is that jumpers? Oh my! It's it so is. Such yeah. a big bottle. Oh yes, it is. Show, yeah. Show me. It was a uh, four twenty nine for my local off license, so I didn't have to travel very far, and I wouldn't have anyway. But uh, it's a, uh, it's show me. Uh, premium show me the money sparkling <laughs> show me sparkling perry and uh, let's see the back here please Co- don't point that cork at me <laughs> actually yeah true enough it does say at the back oh, uh, fuck we're going to have to do corkage inside this tent oh, someone's losing an eye uh, caution this is a pressurised container when opening hold cork firmly and point away from people and yeah, fragile objects please point it away from we're me. literally basically sitting in each other's laps here so someone is going to get injured mm. Do you want well, to? Do we even have? Just do it out there. Please stop. Also, it it, it does contain sulfites, so if any is allergic, oh, um, I want weakness. <laughs> right. Do you want uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never done this before, right, and get, I okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody guard their eyes here. Also, what's the percent before we even start there? Oh yeah, five point five. Two point six. It's essentially just. Tom clocked that shit. Ah, straight away. Actually, Tom, you do it. You seem more qualified. Yeah. Have you done this before? He seems like a man who celebrated quite a bit. Well, the, fuck, I'm panicking. The man works on a farm, you know, he, he like, catches lambs I, and stuff. I used to work in a <laughs> weather spoon, so I regularly was popping bottles of sparkling perry. No, this is a very good purchase, because it's a, such a big bottle. Yeah, well. I, you know, that, that'll do yeah. all this, rightly. And it's easier to drink than fucking rice wine, so... Although, Je- probably... Oh, oh, I'm, I'm raging, I miss that Malibu, though, are we? Yeah, so good, coconut a cork. Bay. It's some plastic thing. It's a plastic cork. Oh, a plastic cork. Well, the sprays everywhere. I've been a nightmare. Are we ready? Yep. Hey! Let's get pissed. <laughs> that was terrifying. Bang <laughs> first, Frank. Rollers rights. It's nice. Be, Dan, be very careful yeah. because yeah, it will. Good enough. Up. Good enough. For, good for four twenty nine. <laughs> like, you think I don't know an Aboriginal culture and one I don't like you know how they drink fizzy wine out of a bottle. This is such a big bottle. This it's is the biggest fizzy wine bottle I've ever seen. Absolutely gigantic. What's this, a Magnum? It's just right. a guy. Hey, it's like baby sham on steroids, just. That's pretty much just a bottle of Lamborghini. <laughs> just, just hey, fizzy yeah. Lamborghini. Not just, bad, right up my alley. Just get a teenage girl drunk and I will, will, I'm going to slap you. Just, just in case this goes on. When you were a teenager. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably better to start with that though. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 grand. That's I, fine for four twenty nine. I, I could drink the shit out of that. Yeah, like definitely, it. that'll be polished tonight. No sweat. I wish Anders puts it right down back beside himself. <laughs> that will be every, polished tonight. Every yeah. goddamn. Why's not veteran at work here, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> every goddamn week. Okay, um, we'll start off. We well, if we watch it, I wanted to go and do one first. Go for it. Don't normally do it, but I was fully prepared to come into this and say I hadn't watched a film this week. Because I have been so busy and knackered and tired from work. Hungover. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I didn't even get to go see The Gift, which was my recommendation last week. I wanted oh, to go to the cinema and see it. Your recommendation of a film that you hadn't seen before? Yeah. You, uh, who was it? You and uh, Gordo? Me and Gordo. Me and Gordo. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't get to the cinema. And just, I hadn't watched the film. And then I managed to sneak in a wee hour and 13 minute one last night. Crafty bastard. <laughs> 
It was the, it was the new Doug Benson documentary. Oh, I saw that, man. It's like rated like two stars on Netflix or something. Like, uh, really? Did he do it himself? Or is it just like a kind of... This is like his third documentary. But isn't that just him like fucking smoking pipes or something like that? Well, maybe if you'd let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you just fill me in who Doug Benson is? Doug Benson is an American uh, comedian and is big... Th- he's just a big... Per- per- what's the word? Proponent, proponent, yeah, proponent, yeah, proponent of uh, pot smoking. He's a stoner. So he, stoner. but he, he, no, but he's 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 really into the whole legalizing the bit. Has as he well. ever starred in any films? Or he he, he ha- he's him. been in Friends. He was the guy that said Bloomies. <laughs> he's like fifty two, isn't he? Like, Has he no, he's, no, he's he? like forty something. No, lad, he's definitely <laughs> older than what I thought it was. I thought he was like. F- well, he's definitely near. He does look like from a man in his fifties. I've only seen him like once or twice. That's a pearl weed man. It cures cancer and everything. <laughs> is he the one that went on a date with Rachel and then kept breaking down and crying? No, that was a different guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, he, he no, he was the guy that someone tried to set him up with Rachel, and then he was like, "Oh, you work in Bloomingdale's? My mom calls it Bloomies." Oh, what a career he lived. <laughs> he was Jesus, also right now. Friends was incredible. Aye, point. Solid, solid. <laughs> but anyway. His, his new film is called Chronicon Episode 420, A New Dope. Oh, my God. It, That's so bad, but so good. No, but he's, <laughs> he's sticking with the whole uh, uh, puns, basically, on Morgan Spurlock's films. Yeah. So his first one was Super Jaime, and then The Greatest Movie Ever Rolled, and now Chronicon, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, no, I, I, I watched his other two, and I, I think they're funny for what they are, and I think he, they do have a certain style that suits his comedy. Like, it's just kind of really laid back and kind of thrown together. Yeah. But this one was really laid back and really thrown together. Yeah. <laughs> like, because, like, the uh, Super Jaime, like, he had the whole thing about uh, uh, not smoking pot and then smoking pot for 30 days and stuff. And then uh, Greatest Movie Ever Rolled was more just like a road trip movie of him on tour. Yeah. But this one is just him at Comic-Con. And it's it's clear that he didn't even really have a lot to do <laughs> so, you know Morgan Spurlock has come out with a documentary so Doug Benson feels that he has to come out with a, a complete movie yeah. just to keep up this sort of record of puns I, I quite like Doug Benson and like his, uh, his vodcast you know getting Doug with high I think it's really funny especially when he yeah. gets like some good celebrities on but in general like his stand up is like it's not that no, good well, I, like, I, I really like his podcast as well Doug Loves Movies and a good bit of the, the documentary is just him doing a Dog Loves Movies podcast yeah. and, like it cuts back to it every so often so it was fun seeing that actually like videoed and stuff yeah. but it's it's just really thrown together there is some <laughs> good stuff in the documentary like he actually tracks down Morgan Spurlock at Comic Con and they and they kind of talk about just how he, how he rips off his phones and stuff and that's funny there are funny bits in it like it's just overall there was just kind of no sense to it yeah it's one of those films that you can see that there was an idea there that would have really covered about 15 minutes of film yeah. but they've just stretched <laughs> out to an hour and a half but um he, he says he's going to keep on doing the whole Morgan Spurlock thing so I'm really excited to see what he does for the One Direction documentary yeah, <laughs> One Direction. oh Morgan Spurlock that's right sorry I thought you meant Doug Benson was Bong Direction <laughs> that's all I got <laughs> that's probably what it'll be yeah. Bong Direction you know, we say I'll just, I'll just stop trying. I'll be just like one bong or something. <laughs> and just really not put any fucking effort on it. Uh, what did I watch? I watched two phones and I blazed through them. Pardon the punk, we were speaking about gear. Uh, first one was The Black Dahlia. Any he's ever seen it? No. Brian De Palma, 2006. It's, I, it's I heard it's boring as all hell. Yeah, well, what it is, right? It's obviously it's about the really famous case of The Black Dahlia. You know that the actress, Elizabeth Short, Cutting, cutting two, yeah, yeah. Un- unsolved mystery still in, in Hollywood to this day, really fucking brutal at the time. 
and it was uh, kind of built up through all these kind of seedy papers and stuff we get and there was a lot of rumours about you know it was somebody in the Hollywood industry and blah 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 but it's never been solved but the film is sort of centred around that I mean you think a film called The Black Dahlia is really going to be about The Black Dahlia but it sort of takes a back seat the best thing about the film is Mia Kirshner's performance as The Black Dahlia you see her on like this uh, really grim fucking porno film that she had to make because she's a struggling actress and she was trying to make ends meet and trying to break into the, to the big time and uh, her performance in the, in, the, in the short few scenes that she's in really really steals the show Josh Hartnett's pretty solid but it's it's the flattest fucking character of all time it is your just stereotypical gumshoe detective you know what I mean I liked that there was an empire by or sorry a review by empire and they say he's so gumshoe he puts his fedora on straight after sex you know what I mean he's <laughs> in, it's like he's, but I mean it's one of the few films I've ever watched where I thought it was going to be a kind of standard narrative, go from point A to point B and kind of be this murder mystery. And, you know, th- that's kind of what I was in the mood for. It is the most confusing film I've ever watched in my life. Okay. And I thought, at the time when I first watched it, I thought, Jesus, maybe maybe I have my son or maybe I wasn't paying attention or maybe I was looking at my phone when something happened or something. It was a bit of a, bit of a key jangler like at, at times. <laughs> but maybe I was looking at my phone and I couldn't, I couldn't really focus on it and then I read all reviews and everybody said the same thing and all this this film is not fucking coherent whatsoever. These characters come towards the end who are, you know, reported to be like the fucking killers and they're like, who are these people? They've come out of fucking nowhere. Some of the acting, some of the dialogue is it verges on fucking cartoonish. It's awful. Like some of the hammiest acting I've ever seen. Uh plus points about it, it's Brian De Palma. Me and Herm were chatting a few weeks back. Brian De Palma is the ultimate example of a director who's always all still no substance. The film looks fucking amazing it's like a moving painting it's unbelievable really beautiful it's actually shot in Bulgaria which I find weird concerning they were trying to you know double it up as Hollywood uh, looks great but he just really doesn't give a fuck about his characters and then and with that happening the, the audience doesn't give a fuck about the characters let alone the fact that the audience can understand what the fuck's going on there like you know what I mean other film I watched this week which was much better uh, was I'd seen it before but I rewatched it was 48 Hours you ever seen 48 Hours? Eddie Wait. Murphy Nick Nolte no, it's like the, it's That's like quite the, an old one, isn't it? It's 1982, and Nick Nolte's got quite racist as well. He's like he's your your uh, your stereotype, that cowboy cop, you yeah, know, racist yeah. fucking 80s cop. Now, Eddie Murphy's not actually a cop, is he? He's no, he's a convict who he gets out for 48 hours. That's title right. drop, he gets him out for 48 hours to help him solve this case. But uh, I love when they break in the title in a film. You're out for 48 hours. That's exactly <laughs> what your man says to me. <laughs> Even in that sort of fucking The voice. world might survive tomorrow, but what about the day after tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, I got a million of them. <laughs> but uh, what I found really interesting about 48 hours is, uh, looking back on it, I always thought it, it was Eddie Murphy's kind of star and roll. He was kind of hot off SNL at that point, and it was yeah. the first film they put him on. It was almost like a star vehicle for him. And when I watched it as a kid and how I remembered it, I always thought it was more like a, a sort of comedy vehicle and he was wisecracking and, you know, dropping all these quips and stuff like that. And the main focus was him kind of taking away from Nick Nolte. The film is not funny at all. It's a, it's a, just a proper CD crime film. And it's actually really surprising watching back at it now, thinking that this was how they tried to catapult, you know, Eddie Murphy and the fucking Hollywood films and stuff like that. He does quip and he has a bit wisecracking, but it's not like stupid jokes. It's jokes, serious jokes around like racism and stuff like that. There's this absolute cracker scene where... He goes on there, Confederate bar, all these sort of white uh, racist sort of cowboys and stuff like that. And uh, he goes up the bar and he, he, he poses as a cop. And they're like calling him fucking spear chucker and watermelon and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they're yeah, just really yeah. fucking racist. But it's just so satisfying to see him tack down these re- these fucking really unbelievably xenophobic men. It's a cracking scene. Uh, just as a standard crime film, it really works. It's a uh, Walter Hill film who directed Sovereign Comfort and who directed The Warriors. Warriors. And it's got a big Warriors vibe off it. Uh, just basically... Uh, 
he moves it from New York to San Francisco, and he's he was a master at the time. Maybe see Taylor Love in his later career of kind of creating that that urban grittiness. It's a really great film. And Nick Nolte, like Dom kind of brought up, is a complete nutter fucker on it. And it might seem like a bloody stereotype now, but when he actually comes, he can accept it. Remember at the end, and, and they become pals. It, it doesn't seem. Forrester doesn't seem cliche because the writing's that strong and the performances are fucking really really good on it especially Eddie like I was saying before Eddie Murphy it's, it's not a it's not really a comedy role too what uh, I really like too is that or not sorry not what I really like I was reading a couple of articles this week about 48 hours and I was kind of surprised they found out that most kind of film historians and film critics kind of label 48 hours as the film that created the, the body cop genre and that's yeah, I, I can see it because it's these two kind of, you know, desperate people who aren't connected in any way and then through them going through this shitstorm and, and crime and stuff like that, they, they kind of come close at the end and there's the wisecracking one, there's the straight man and it does have all those tropes and, and, and you can see how it did form that but if you actually watched it now, well, you would not call it up. Yeah, because it's, it's not Russia. Yeah, exactly, you're comparing yeah. it to Russia, that's exactly what I was going to say and it's, I mean, like Russia is complete slapstick yeah. but this isn't, it's, it's a crime film that's peppered slightly We. A bit of edgy humor, but yeah, really fucking good. And I was, I was actually really glad that I watched it because I forgot how good it was. And it was nice to see it, you know, from a, an adult perspective and go, you know what? That I have no idea why Comedy Central used to show that near enough every fucking three <laughs> nights, you know what I mean? Because that is not a Comedy Central one. But yeah, awesome. Uh, Dan, what have you watched? Uh, I watched The Conversation actually, mm. Iron. It's on Netflix, and uh, it's one of those ones because I love The Godfather so much, and it was made by uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Th- this, this, this will fit really well with my recommendation that are just about paranoia films and stuff like that. oh yeah definitely i mean it's it's in between like the golfer one and two and i know the thing i really caught about it is that it happens like such a like a short space of time and with like very little characters and sort of well there's a big plot but you know very little going on it's very self-contained but i mean it's just handled so well like the the entire the opening scene just grabs you and immediately there's this there's like long uh zoom in on union square in san francisco and uh, yeah, it's just really good. It zooms in, and then you finally figure out like what you're trying to be listening to, or what you're maybe uh, what the director wants you to see in it. And uh, as it goes on, I mean, Gene Hackman doesn't really have a lot to work with in terms of like uh, lines or so character. I, exactly. I mean, there's so that, what I really loved as well. There's a wee line at the very start where they they sort of make fun of him for uh, the convention two years ago where it says yeah. oh maybe don't get the way you were two years ago and sort of makes maybe think that he drinks a bit yeah. and then later on there's literally like just 30 seconds before he like you know he gets annoyed with someone where he's a bit drunk and he just becomes this bit of an ass and it literally is just for 30 seconds and it's only two times you see it and it just it feels to me like a very even though you don't see a lot of that side of the character, he's a very rounded character. I love it. It's it's almost like a wee crack beneath the veneer, and even though you only see thirty seconds, Definitely, so yeah. that alone just gives that character so much more depth. You know what I mean? It's just it's smart because you don't have to show it all the time. Also, I mean? uh, John Cazale. Yep. Uh, as well, I mean, uh, how many films? Have four was six it? Films, six films. Six films. Five of them, or maybe six of them, were all nominated. Well, yeah, Dog Afternoon, Two Godfathers, uh, The Deer Hunter. Uh, the Deer five Hunter, films yeah. in, five, yeah, and then five, the conversation. Yeah. Oh, but he's fantastic in that as well. But yeah, I mean, I just thought it was... It's one of those films as well, though. It's like, don't expect a lot to happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you really have to enjoy it as it's going on. And there, there are a few twists and turns and everything in it, but, I mean, you just have to really appreciate the acting. It's one of those photos you can't be it, talking yeah. about with a film, we. I, I think it's one of those that requires yeah. full focus because it's the small wee intricacies of it. And like mm. you are saying about Hackman, he's so good in it, even though he's essentially mute for most of the film. Like, he doesn't really say that much. He's very few lines, and it's all through, like, body language and stuff. Yeah, like and there's this sort of, like, idea that, you know, he did do something. Well, I mean, you are sort of totally explicitly, but you never really hear his thoughts on it. But he has this... Uh, well, actually, I read an article compared to Chinatown, yep. where they both had this thing that happened in their past, and are trying so hard to have it not happen again. 
and they're like sort of incapable they're like you know and as you say yeah. paranoia there's, there's bigger forces working around them that they're just along for the ride they don't really know what's going on but oh. yeah i really recommend it it was very very good both released in the same year too i think 1974 yeah. chinatown and the conversation okay dom what you got okay um i saw well i saw one film which is a favorite of mine a typical measurable film i wouldn't say it's a favorite of mine but you know the kind of the misery that it was projecting it was good for me <laughs> yeah. it's called uh war book i don't know if you've heard of it mm. to 2014 it was a english made film or british i think it's basically a, a room full of civil servants about eight or ten of them sounds like a riot they have to reenact not reenact uh role play what would happen if a nuclear bomb went off somewhere around the world and then they'd have they all sort of take turns of being cabinet ministers no they all choose a role of being one particular cabinet minister for each department so really government. sounds very interesting but it, w- it was good enough the stories there was a few sort of backstories going on but it was mainly just about the power play and the egos just bouncing off each other about what would happen in they go through three days and three phases of what uh, the UK or Britain essentially would do if a nuclear bomb, a nuclear war happened between India and Pakistan. Now, towards the end of the film, the one of the characters starts having a little speech, and I I got annoyed and I got upset and I thought, no, actually, you know what? Shut shut the fuck up! I don't <laughs> don't like this. But then. Thinking back on that, I think the reason that I liked the film is the fact that I was engaging with the character. <laughs> the the other two films I saw, I saw The Judge with Robert Downey Jr. That was 2014 as well. Yeah, that's that's Robert that's, Duvall. Have you seen that's it? That's all right. I've seen it. It's I sort of. Uh, it's I was okay. a bit tentative, saying oh, it's courtroom okay. drama. Not really into those kind of things. I think, it, but it was it was it was all right. But it was just kind of. It's got a bit cheesy. It's so stereotypical. It's such a stereotypical courtroom drama. I think where courtroom drama you're kind of confined in and how much you can do, and it really doesn't take any risks. Not that it needs to take any risks. Not Michael Sonfani, which is the greatest courtroom drama I've ever seen. So so good. Definitely not Sleepers. Was I? Nothing's ever beaten Sleepers as a courtroom drama. Oh Jesus, yeah, that is good too. Well, for me, I mean, you could you could almost argue that JFK is a courtroom drama because fucking like near enough an hour, hour and a half, that film takes place in a courtroom, and it's him arguing, you know, with a Warren Commission. It's a lie. That's what that film is. But uh, yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, the judge, it's good. I mean, Robert Duvall is excellent on it. He's mm, he's really he's good. And then good, yeah. Donny Junior is just Donny Junior. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think is, he, I he hasn't he hasn't done a role uh, in the past couple of years since he's had his fucking huge career resurrection. I that's thinking they've that's just really been challenging this with Robert Downey Jr. Precisely, he's well, just it was his production company. He's a character in himself, but right at the end, it is it is very very cheesy. And 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 the kind of trajectory that uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character takes, concerning he's, he's a buddy at that kid the whole way through it, yeah. it just seems a bit forced, or it 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 doesn't kind of ring true to me to be honest with you. But anyway, yeah. Michael. Um. <clears throat> okay. We shall go on to news. And the first news is there is a hateful eight trailer out. Yeah. I actually put as a teaser trailer, but I'd say it's a bit more than a teaser trailer. Yeah, I mean, like a, a teaser trailer usually would just kind of give you a slight hint of what the what the tone yeah. or what the what the but that gives you pretty much a a very fucking polished look at what the film is well yeah I mean it doesn't give too much away but I mean you yeah. do get this sort of sense of well obviously we sort of knew anyway that Kurt Russell's going to be I know having a big role but I mean at least Sammy J as well seems like he's having a quite a big role well, as well you, you, know, s- you look at the trailer and it sort of has a close up of each of the old yeah. old Tarantino favourites the old guard yeah. uh, Christoph Waltz is in there and stuff like yeah. that 
Well, that's that's what I liked about the first half of the trailer is actually when he walks in and then you kind of get the close up of each of the hateful eight basically. Yeah. I thought at that point I thought this this is a really good trailer. Like. But then the the second half when it was kind of just showing you wee clips and all wasn't too fussed there. Maybe because it was about two trailer Yeah, right I, th- I, I think mean, I think yeah. the clips they show in the last half are just like you were saying. You're, you're sort of stuck images that Suspense you see with trailers. Building, yeah, but not it's really like, showing you. You see anything, a lot yeah. of like fucking yeah. gun drawn or like half an explosion or something. Well, there's like that right good now. Samuel Jackson line as well. You know, on next one he moves, gonna get a bullet. Not a question, not a warning, a bullet. Well, I mean, and, yeah, that's one thing. At Tarantino was always going to live or die on. Like I was always going to be a dialogue. Like I think if Tarantino ever lost this. this is is niche for dialogue than his fucking films would be quite a boring watch. Although I'm I'm have I'm having reservations on uh, Samuel Jackson's line when he's talking about Kurt Russell's all they call him the Hangman because he hangs people because <laughs> <laughs> he know, loves that game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a long description. They say he gets people hanged. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure as I'm, I reckon the film is going to be they're all they're spending all, a night yeah. in there. But there's flashbacks and storytelling of each of the characters. Both so teams. you're going to yeah. find out why they're well, so notorious. If you think of uh, uh, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino's last few films, well, I, if you just think of his films, uh, like in Glorious Bastards, there's the great scene in the bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's another one. There's I even better scene. I have one of my favorite scenes ever, even though I think in Glorious Bastards are a good film. It's not a great film. One of my favorite scenes is, is the first scene with Christoph Waltz and the French farmer. Yeah. Oh, it's that is a yeah, masterclass yeah, yeah, yeah. of bold intention. Yeah. Yeah. Masterclass. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. He's... He's really good at building tension in confined areas, kind of. So if most of the film is just all those, he's just really good at doing it through dialogue alone. Yeah, I mean, essentially, until like the the SAS come in and start shooting at the floorboards and that scene in Glorious Bastards at the at the very start, that is all just dialogue and like they're trying to work each other out through the dialogue. Especially Christoph Waltz, he's trying to look for wee tiny. Uh, tiny bits of body language stuff like that they try and figure out this dude he, he knows already that this boy's hiding you know Jewish people underneath his floorboards yeah. but he's, he's playing with him yeah. and all enough during that speech he talks about vermin and like you know would you just stand on a, a squirrel or and stand on a rat and that's exactly what he's yeah. doing he's he's playing with your man he's the big cat and he's playing with this fucking yeah. I think, I think he's a rodent with Tarantino though you know like recent Tarantino I think the way it's going to go is that I mean you will have those scenes and they'll be fantastically shot and they'll be amazing use of music and you know they will be very well done but you know you're going to get this bombastic final third and it might not ring through the rest of the film but it will it will definitely be entertaining I, I mean I'm looking easier, forward to it easier for him to get back to his old ways after um, Django um, Django Django I, I mean, like Django it's, Unchained. It's a weird thing because Tarantino. That was a kind of serious. You think about it, like the whole, whole point of that film is slavery and hell. But then the very I end, did, I, I, is very I did discuss a couple weeks that's back when Christopher Waltz's character says, "I'm sorry for this," and then that's Tarantino I, basically saying, yeah, "I won't I go back." Go. And they, but I, I discussed it a few weeks back about about Django and just Tarantino's take on history. I mean, it it should be serious, but I think he's he's a bit irresponsible how how he presents it. I, I think that he he kind of uses history just to fit his own narrative structures of I like revenge and stuff. I kind of preferred that. Like conveying the message of just how horrid, like the dehumanizing effects of American slavery was. I think there's, there's, there's films that do it far better. No, you see, I think there there are scenes definitely in Django. Like, I mean, there's that there's that song that goes over freedom where you see like Django and his wife try to run away, and you know they get caught. And to me, that was a really a harrowing, really impactful yeah, scene. I mean, they start lashing yeah, her in front. Yeah, of there them. was so many like amazing scenes where I thought were quite tear jerking. But then this is a film that ends at the very end with you know him having this big Hollywood eighties 
black exploitation style send off, which right. doesn't really to and, me and the antebellum mansion explodes in the background. Yeah, and he, he smiles with cigar in his mouth. It's like that's not what happens. Uh, do you know what I mean? And I know, and I obviously that's the title of the film he does, but I don't know. I don't. He's really obviously it shining. He's, he's shining a light, and he's, he's trying to kind of break the fourth wall and be a bit yeah. ridiculous. But at the same time, from it, it just doesn't sit right with me. Also, uh, one other point I want to chuck in there about the, the Hit Flight trailer. It's just a fact. That fucking Kurt Russell's back. You know what I mean? One of my favourite favourite fucking actors ever. He's fucking he's Snake Plus. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about your president. Also, Christoph Waltz is not an hateful eight. Oh shit, yes, I said Christoph Waltz early on. Who the fuck? Who was I thinking? Tim Roth, yes. It was Tim Roth. Tim Roth after his absolutely amazing FIFA movie. He played Set Platter. I know. He's talking about it. He's a bad guy. Like, uh, just like, like bladder probably the worst agent <laughs> ra- ra- well it depends what you look at ra- the worst agent, uh, ra- the worst agent on earth or the best agent on earth because nobody got paid a fucking tank load for it but at the same time he got mauled you know you should uh, if you want to watch another propaganda film you should watch uh, I, don't, I think it's just called Martin Luther yeah. which is funded by the Lutheran church oh lovely stuff starring uh, Ralph Fiennes younger brother is there a younger brother or someone else called? Oh uh, fuck yeah! It's uh, I can't remember. He's in Shakespeare in Love and stuff yes. again. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to me in a bit. Uh, okay, we'll move on. <coughs> Jack Reacher two has been announced. Joseph Fiennes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it just you can't enough. cut that out, man. It has to be. In. <laughs> I knew it was going to come to you when I was sorry. Jack Reacher two has been announced, and it's to be directed by Ed Zwick. Who's Ed Zwick? Where's Cameron? You need him. He'd be doing uh, No, I, I will agree with her. I love Jack Reacher. That's I a mean, crack and shoot. The, the, the very end of it, like, it was obvious it was on a set and was sort of out of the tone of the rest of the movie. But up until that point, I mean, there's so much good scenes. There's so many good scenes, I should say. Yeah. Really, really solid action. And Tom Cruise is class. We love he him here. class. I mean, well, he gets a lot of flack because of the Oh, no, do you mean Tom Hanks? Hi, <laughs> Tom Hanks. <laughs> it's like, he gets a fucking... He gets a lot of flack, obviously, because of his personal life and the whole Scientology thing. But... When you actually take a step back and look, he's one of the most accomplished actors ever, one of the most well-rounded actors ever. And I heard about you and fucking Kurt Wins. Lad, lad. Well, see, well. When you, see when you announced there, now, there was a Jack Richard trailer, I actually thought you were going to say director, call him here. And that's an R, <laughs> that's an R- uh, side job that yeah, I got yeah. since he's been there. Lad, no, you can't bruise a cruise. Uh, <laughs> but you said, what about Carl Hearn? What about him? Oh, yes. Aye, 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 here we are, there we go, bring it back. Aye, 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 here we are, there we go, bring it back. Uh... This is uh, I Calm coming at you over the waves from uh, Edinburgh. Was I Calm? Yes. Like, oh, yes. yes. I'm not drinking. I gotta go do some things later on the night, and I gotta keep a straight head, folks. But very big. Uh, <laughs> just to celebrate. Is he escaping? Um, all right. So <laughs> this week we got the news about Jack Reacher two. Um, so Did he send the sun? I thought he was speaking live. Let's talk more movies. Time and uh, I'm fucking thrilled that they're making another one. I'm sure it's on the back of the success of Mission Impossible Five. Although Christopher McQuarrie, the director of the first Jack Reacher and Mission Impossible Five, isn't returning to direct the sequel, it's going to be Edward Zwick, who apparently is writing and directing. Uh, Tom Cruise has previously worked with him on The Last Samurai. Uh, Zwick's probably oh, famously man. known for their, uh, Legends of the Fall. Uh, a wee bit of crack about that is uh, <laughs> no spoilers uh, when a character dies at the very very end uh, you know a, a titular character uh, <laughs> the voiceover is it was a good kill and uh, so or was it it was a good death 
don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waving at like, it. I don't like <laughs> at the end of Last Samurai, the very same thing happens, and it's the same, uh, it's the exact same line. No, it's a yeah, good yeah. death, it's a good death, talking good death, shit. Yeah. Right. So uh, I'm kind of wondering now, because it's how we return to cruise, I'm wondering will I do the fucking, it was a good death for the third time, you know, after a Jack Reacher, bitten down the street, somebody fucking starts him. Raps his fucking head off and then he goes, Do you know what? That was a fucking good day for your chief. Bring it back, bring it back. One for those wet geeks, you know what I'm saying? Not absolutely thrilled, hey. Uh, hope you're all doing well. I'll be back. I'll be back not next week, but the week after. We made a attempt. So we do need a replacement next week. Leave a few comments. Breaking news. Get unpersuaded because I'm, I'm I'm missing a crack. I'm missing that goddamn crack, but I'm missing that. Hey, forgot about your sax, didn't you? Hope you're doing well, Dan. Dom, the two guests, and uh, Thank you. don't fuck it up yeah. too badly. Uh, <laughs> like last time. Uh, uh, what's a crack, Mickey Sean? Uh, uh, what do you call it? But uh, I'll leave it over reasons. What what he's reckoning about uh, Jack Reacher? Chat to you soon, folks. Okay, thank you very much, Colm Hearn, all the way from Edinburgh. Raynak, let's hear glamorous. What's over? I was fucking thrown completely early because when you <laughs> whacked up, I, mean, I thought he was escaping or some shit like that. I know it sounded like it was. Aye. Also, another bit of breaking news: I thought he was fucking back next Saturday, so we need guests again next week. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, if any's want to come over to Mickey's around about what do you say? Friday, not Friday, three a.m. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just throw stones to the window. So you get in. That's how I did it. <laughs> Sick. I broke on that time, mate. Mickey, like, <laughs> 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 I'm the letterbox. That's how Dom catches us pretty like. That's how Dom goes to the toilet. Next. Sweet little letterbox. <laughs> like a posted sausage. I've done it before. <laughs> you have like, you really? Like posted sausage? You? No, no, not for a letterbox. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yo, if it's not through a letterbox, then through what? We um, went into somebody's house and just pissed in their kitchen and then broke, walked back out again. <laughs> It's not like a boy in fucking uni who's shit in a kettle. That was awful. That was actually somebody from my school. No, they shit in the stairs and they pissed in the kettle and they boiled the kettle. So when they came down the next day, they saw like water and like, oh, just right. boiling pish. Yeah, but you know as well, they got pulled up in front of, like the board and stuff, like, you know, of like all like the Elms residents or whatever whoever ran that stuff. And they're all, well, what happened anyway? Explain yourself. And I go, I'm sorry. We just went too mad. <laughs> <laughs> that was all we could say though. It's the like, things got out of hand. It's like fucking. And, and they're, like, they're like teaching all across the world now. Like uh, they've yeah, got really good careers. Right I'm in a fucking tent in the bog. I what I did wrong? I should have fucking shit in a kettle. I will let my fucking children know we're near Look, those people. In a tent in a bog, doing an amazing podcast. Yeah. Bear my hand. Hey, we're fucking global. Yeah. Like you know, what I mean, also uh, like you said, they're now we're going too mad. And I was just like Dave Chappelle. I'm sorry, Charlie Murphy. I was having too much fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. This next news, I feel like we we actually predicted this a bit last week. Mm-hmm. Last week's podcast was season four of Deadwood. If I had used my fucking nuts, <sighs> yeah, I know, and made it a film because we're a fucking film podcast, we would have called this a week early. In all fairness, though, they've been, they've been circling that for years because well, season three was cancelled really abruptly and it was left on sort of a cliffhanger. I don't see you could do a film with Deadwood as well. Like, I mean, it. Well, can I need... say the news before we actually go into it? Yeah. Go. HBO confirms preliminary reports of a Deadwood movie. <laughs> mm. Will it be a TV movie or a, a, a theatrical release? Well, you see, that's the thing. I mean, like HBO does their own movies yeah, every do, every so yeah. often, like so. I agree with Dan, and that's 
I don't see how you could tie everything up. And 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 Deadpool was never the sort of show to tie up everything nicely. Anyway. Even the set, though. I mean, like uh, amount of money it would take to get that set back together. Ah, uh, like, got that look. But I mean, yeah. but but will they do it yeah. for ninety minutes or two pull, hours? I mean, pull up on a pin, a couple of Game of Thrones sets, you know like a big they, game. They're doing that, and then if there's enough interest in it, then they'll pump out a, a few more seasons, maybe or one, and see what happens. I know, but it's so far gone or something. And it was Ian very, McKellen. They were oh, very McKellen, vaguely... I'm not sure of course. Ian, Ian, Ian McKellen is playing Alice Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were Ian vaguely based yeah. on real people. Though. They were, yeah, yeah. Very loosely, though. Yeah. Oh, well, like, yeah. Like, yeah, a soul is, star yeah. and, you know, Seth Bullock and stuff like that, very loosely. Charlie Otter. Charlie Otter, so good, hey. What we used to say Utterly again? delightful. That's <laughs> what we used to say, utterly delightful. No, Charlie Utter Madman, wasn't it? That's what I was like, getting bought all the time. <laughs> but uh, aye, it ended like on a sort of cliffhanger and nothing was resolved whatsoever and it was such a good show. It was a huge fucking thing at the time when it was cancelled. It was really surprising because it got okay viewers but there were shows that were doing worse that you know survived for another season and I think though the production cost the devil was yeah. really high and they were trying to just cut that off their budget essentially it's phenomenal I think it was like it was way ahead of its time for what it was doing I mean I, even it's just it I think so much for attention. HBO's for HBO's great shows I mean obviously the two that everybody points to The Sopranos and The Wire I think Deadwood is the forgotten third. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. Deadwood is fucking top four to me. You would have Mad Men in there, and then that would be, well, maybe Breaking Bad as well. We went to our top five. But yeah. I think those are, that's the greatest TV ever made. Definitely. And Deadwood's really, 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 much like The Wire was, but then obviously it exploded. Deadwood is still quite overlooked. Yeah. I think it is because it never really reached its, its narrative. It's way, it's very, it's really, really challenging as well, like in terms of the language that they use, and uh, some really, I mean, uh, E.B. Farnham as well as a character. Like there's certain yep. scenes like, such a well fleshed out but part joke of a character but I mean really really well wrote all together I mean anyway <laughs> they bring it back to the danger bottle they just show how big this bottle is I went to lift it there now and got lightheaded. headed <laughs> uh, it's, it's a fucking three man job like I've, that bottle. I've <laughs> taken about 10, 12, maybe 20 sips of that and it's still feeling very heavy. I'm compla- I, th- I, think, I think it's actually just a glass that was heavy itself, never mind the actual content. Where is it? I completely forgot about it. It's right beside you. <laughs> oh, baby. As off by coincidence. Okay. Next news. Beetlejuice 2 has been confirmed by Winona Ryder. Yeah. Winona? So she, what's her name? Winona. Yeah. Winona. Is that not what I said? You said Winona. Well... Let's not be back. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I wonder. I wonder what's on uh, Winona's writer. Maybe a lot of uh, get out of jail free cards. A uh, fucking Shapleton bitch. That's right, that fuck. She used to yape stuff all the time. Dom stole a pack well, of chewing gum. The we, we've all <laughs> done it. Did she? Uh, yeah, yeah. Two packs of chewing I've, gum. I've, I've, I've never paid for a box of poppets in my life. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't even talk about. are a fucking top notch snack. Hey, they are. They're, they're pretty up there. Like I had them recently, though. They're about shit. Nah, <laughs> really. Maybe it's uh, nostalgia. They, they were really there. hard, though. I always remember them being soft. I know we're going off one here, but best snack, bacon fries. What? Oh, there's one time my dad was like working in a bar. I shouldn't say this, maybe he gets sued or whatever, but uh, we went to Musgrave. Sued by bacon fries. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he went and bought loads of stuff for the bar. and uh, generic bacon fries. <laughs> yeah, we know he buying stuff for the bar, like, you know, like Cokes and whatever, like all the crisps. But he went and like, bought like two bacon fries as well. And, went, and then he was reviewing it. That's what I, I said. No, 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 no. It was like two, 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 two actual bacon those, like, fries. bar things that like, hang up. Uh, you know, like I, uh, you see them like displayed and stuff. Hangers. Yeah, two hangers of bacon fries. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like plain hangers of bacon fries. But, uh, I he went and looked through a receipt and all for accounts. He saw, hi, Dan, what do you see that bacon fries? And I listen. I go, Dad, I don't see any. He goes, take them home. Me <laughs> and my family ate bacon fries for a whole year and I hate them like Lunch, breakfast, dinner, everything. Bacon fries. Bacon fries. Bacon fries. <laughs> <laughs> Dan comes on the house once for another night, mate. Bacon fries surprise. Uh, <laughs> it's why I'm so portly now. 
That's big on lays. Apologies. <laughs> you need to stop this shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're not getting better. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man, puns. So, yeah, best. nobody gives a fuck about Beetlejuice two. <laughs> I, I just I saw the news. Her. I don't see how it could work. I don't know. It might. Part of Beatles is his charm. Is that Keaton yeah. going to be in it? Yeah, yeah. Who are, See, that, 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 that was a couple. That's, that's a big plus. Alec Baldwin. Yeah. And uh, what do you call her? Gina Davis. Gina yep. Davis. They're not coming back, I don't believe. See, but Keaton's been doing really well recently. Like. Keaton, Keaton being on it is a big plus. If, if Keaton was not, then there's, there would be no point. Well, not no point in doing it, but there would be. It just, you know for a fact it wouldn't be good. Uh, but. If they if they are doing it, I hope they 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 don't overuse Beetlejuice because if you remember in the first Beetlejuice, he's yeah. at it like fifteen twenty yeah. minutes or something. and that's the thing. I mean, like it's I think the reason that that character was so uh, well received is because he is on it uh, for for such uh, a little amount of screen time because exactly. you're almost excited then they see him. Whereas I think if he had a whole film, even in the original Beetlejuice, of just Beetlejuice, it would get really good. Hey, side Beetlejuice, I want to drop dead Fred remake. Hundred percent. Well, Rick Miles is dead. Like so, that's not gonna I'll happen. do it. You'll they they actually were working. <laughs> right, they they were working on one. Who was going to play Drop Dead Fred? Uh, Johnny Depp. No, Rick Mel's dead. No, he's a no. aye, Rick Mel's dead. He was a British man. Sam Fry. Comedian. Please, please tell me it's Brian Blessed. No, no fuck. Brian Blessed. Wasn't not. Ex ex heroin addict. Russell Brand. Yeah. Really? <laughs> really? Mm, that would have been fucking no. awful. It really would have been. I love as well. It's no, like, I do like Russell Brand. I do like Russell Brand, yeah. He's but not going to... No, see, I, I, I like, I like a, some, some of his opinions on things, but as a comedy actor, I mean, like, they tried, they might come the next big English or British Brand X. guy comedy actor, and obviously they done the get him to the no, Greek and then they done the, the remake of uh, Arthur Arthur, and it just after Arthur they realised that he was not bankable get him to the Greek was no. alright you know I, I like that part, the, the, the first time that but they, he's they made playing him, Russell Brand essentially yeah, yeah. the yeah. first time they made him the main role in, in Arthur it completely flopped and it just effectively killed I don't think it's Margaret for those type of films anyway you know like British films sort of seem to think oh Arthur everyone loves Arthur no they really don't yeah. Bridget Jones's Bridget Jones's diary whatever it was like how many years ago and that did pretty well but I, like I think it's more a niche in the American market because especially for like Angle food and and our Anglophiles are Anglophobes. Yeah, Anglophobes. Ang- Anglo- Anglophiles in America. I hate those people. I need to watch yeah, more, no, more, more of their stuff. I think for like Anglophobes. I hate this language I'm speaking. Is, yeah. is there any Bridget, Anglophobes Bridget, in this Bridget Jones is a right? horror film. <laughs> 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 but I think for, uh, for Anglophiles in, in Britain, you know, the, the likes of Notting Hill and Four Weddings, it's almost like a niche. It's 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 like a it's like a quirk for American audiences because yeah. there's this whole thing in America, all like as in British humor, so weird because it is sort of completely different from American humor in a way. I uh, think I think they get it a lot more now. They get it a lot more now, obviously, because they're you more exposed it. More but I know that during the early nineties, we like the likes of Richard Curtis and, and and writers like that come and come to the fore. This was completely new to American audiences. Yeah. And they were like, this isn't like our kind of tightly constructed rom coms. They're doing it in a different way. They're a wee bit more honest, a wee bit more human. You and know, it's not like caricatures like yeah. we have. You know the um, the Revenge of a Jolly we were talking about last week. Yeah, I thought that that was a, f- a film that f- like the the writing fell flat. It was trying to emulate um, In Bruges. You know yeah. that real subtle mm. subtlety just just through the dialogue alone, yeah. not so much like the what you see. Just you know when uh, uh, Ralph Fiennes just goes, "You're a." Fucking in an animal object, you know. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. help but laugh. You don't yeah. expect to laugh at that. That's that's true to life. You've done that yourself. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I scream at my mouth. It's just 
you know, the, the humour that just catches you by surprise at the time. I, sh- yeah. I called Shan a clump earlier. <laughs> just for no reason. Well, like, uh, Eddie definitely. Murphy, like, you know, that's uh, exactly another professor. Saying, I yeah. clump, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> definitely the strangest thing I've been called today, like... That's what I was saying as well. No, like Nutty Professor 2, the clumps. It took me years to realise that that's a shit joke. Yeah. Not like a shit joke, but like a poo joke. Yeah. Is it? An actual toilet joke. Oh, clumps? you've got like the clumps? I never heard that term before. Yeah, I, I, know, that's I know, you well, see that? What is the clumps? Just like what, like having shit, dingle basically. bells. I really want to stay my clump a thing now though. <laughs> I really want to keep like calling oh, man, a clump I or something. Oh, professor. When, nah, when, you know, when too. you went to school and you'd go into the school toilets and someone would just sort of drop little fucking rabbit pellets. And just yeah. like fucking meatballs. But then a dog will come on the school and I ring about sweet like you know what I mean? Like yeah, we were discussing last week. You never shit in school? Nah, like, I don't think no. I ever did a shit in no. school. Right, I I Those work like up, I work like in the town centre, so I have to use public toilets for like my job. Is there not a toilet? <laughs> it's not your job to use. Well no, but you know, I'm not gonna run home every time I need a shit, Mickey. But you know I have to Like you don't you don't work fucking twelve hours like sometime over Christmas I do. What a social crusader we've got tonight. Like, <laughs> somebody give this man a medal. He has to poo in public toilets. Oh my god, almighty. You stuck up. Public toilets are that bad. Jesus That's sweet, especially for someone to clean but like you, six times a day. You, you're, you're acting like we all denounced public toilets. Like, I'm all for just public toilets. toilets. I, 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 I shit in public every chance I get. <laughs> <laughs> we said public toilets. You're saying you're shit in public? That's a different thing altogether, man. I know what you're in there. a filly over here. But they, the listener could not see that smile on my face. I gotta tweet this. He was <laughs> fucking yeah, delighted with himself from ear to ear. Oh, I was like a Glasgow. <laughs> a little, a little Cheshire there, cat right? over here. Bag time. Fucking hell. Anyway, <laughs> next news, Mickey. Ah, uh, that's news done. Really? Oh, short news this week. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So we're on the hot topics now. Topics, 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 topics. Who's first topic? Oh. Um, fuck it, I'm going to go first because I'm talking. 
Go for it. I'm, I, basically, I just want to zone out for the rest of the podcast. After ah, this. I love that. <laughs> you always kind of panic before you're about to do your topic, and then as soon as your topic's so then you're like, fuck this. <laughs> just kick back. Oh, no, I didn't write down my topic. I'm going to have to try and remember it. Um, uh, do you want me to go? No, I got, I got this shit. Uh, I got all right, this. go ahead. I texted the chat last night. I'll look at that. Um, <laughs> okay, mind. Anyway, go ahead. Clearly, you were blocked last night. That was it. <laughs> was it not? Hey, one See, day I ever get a Friday off, I was last night and all feed me lad, you're pissed every shit Thursday like Thursday, I, I do enjoy that Thursday Thursdays like but uh, <laughs> last night I was actually I was sitting in the gaff and that uh, lady went up there bed at about half ten and I'm never off on a Friday so I was like fuck this I'm getting roped off <laughs> so <laughs> so I was just <laughs> I was just sitting in my own getting roped off I was watching like Netflix and stuff like that and then the dog came downstairs I've got a, do- a stavager called Jax and he was playing about and being sound for once instead of like fucking jumping on top of my head. So I was like, you're being really good. I'm going to feed you a bagel. So I got this bagel. <laughs> so I got this bagel at the press. And like, he's always fucking hungry. And I was like, astounded. I've handed him the bagel. I was like, this is the biggest treat this dog's ever had. Was not interested in the bagel, whatever. Was it whatever. an onion bagel? No, it was just a normal bagel. Had some no, sesame seeds on there. So then, uh, I handed him the bagel. Was not interested. I was like, you're fucking eating this because me and you're having a moment. So... <laughs> I went there and I was alright, well I'll make a taste there for him. I'll just fucking chuck gravy over that top of it. So I boiled some uh, gravy and threw gravy on top of it. You actually made gravy. I made, I made him a gravy bagel, like. And like <laughs> then he got just tore dipped in it. it. Just and then I seen that I had all these, uh, I had, you know, apparently you're not supposed to uh, feed peanuts to dogs. This is bollocks. I googled it, so it must be true. You can feed peanuts to dogs. Just so, sparingly. I, but then I had a stack of peanuts too. I was smashing all of me and, me and him just had a fucking lads night, like, watching. <laughs> what the fuck was I watching? Pretty and pink. You're trash. <laughs> You're trash. Actually, you know what? Pretty and pink's worse. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Sweet, I hadn't seen it's, it. It's really, it's really actually pretty poor, isn't it? I hadn't yeah, seen yeah. it. This was my fucking. I was like, oh yeah, bad. Curtis. No, I. Pretty and pink's really good, and I, I enjoyed it. Me and Joe. I, 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 th- I think it's Hughes's weakest follow me. Well, I, I enjoyed it anyway, but no. But I the, said Curtis. Yeah, I meant Richard the, Hughes. Yeah. The, the biggest, the biggest problem with Pretty and Pink is the reveal of her prom dress. And you see it, and it's the worst it's dress so you've ever bad. seen. Even like late, she'd zoned out. She was playing with her phone, uh, like when we were watching it, and fucking, it, there's this whole build up to her with a dress, and I'm like, that's fucking bogging. <laughs> it's like something you'd see in a charity shop or something. And like, it's this sort, a sort of informed attribute the whole way through the film, which is really, she's really, really fashion conscious, and I, she's really good with her hands. Really creative, and she fuck. No wonder why all those girls were giving her fucking grief. You know, I mean, I all these girls are giving her grief. It's going to be all that fucking chippy or gansy and chippy or clothes and all. And you're like, oh fuck off! No, she's lethal. So what? Oh, she fuck. She's push. It's so bad. Okay, my topic is: we were chatting there last week about the Deadpool trailer, and I think it was Shan that said that Ryan Reynolds was basically born to play Deadpool. Like. Yeah. Just he screams Deadpool, and I heard it earlier in the week that it, it like the story actually like happened like a year ago or something. That but it it was unfounded. It was just kind of like rumors that uh, Mark Ruffalo was going to play Columbo in a Columbo movie. Really? Like it happened uh, like a year ago. I like, can see that. I can see it was in Zodiac. Yeah, But this is the thing. It 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 was completely unfounded. It was literally a guy posted. Like, a, a writer said, oh, I wouldn't mind doing a Columbo film. Yeah. And Mark Ruffalo said, oh, I would love to play Columbo. That was it. And everyone else on Twitter was all, ah, oh, I can ah, see that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when when I heard Mark Ruffalo, Columbo, that just clicked in my head. like, fuck, he would be an amazing Columbo. Well, no, isn't that just for looks alone? Like, you know, we were talking about he could pull the judge of... where Robert Downey Jr.'s character in The Judge, Hank, was just Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Playing... 
I think it's a different thing in that, in that he likes to I think it's a different thing in that stories are just wrote with a certain actor in mind so they kind of play to his personality or his acting type whereas there's certain characters that are actually wrote as characters who have their own sort of uh, their own personality traits and stuff like that that a certain actor can Aye, just, just fit fits Andy mm. and that, I think, I maybe think that's Day-Lewis's Lincoln I thought was maybe. a pretty good one uh, see, for me, it'd be more Brian Blessed as Lincoln, like, you know what I mean? I suppose, yeah. He is nice, like, yeah, he just, or Brian Blessed as a Dalai Lama, you know what I mean? But, like, no, but what what, what I'm saying very is... Very versatile. <laughs> what did you say? But like He's you, very versatile. But, like, you wouldn't look at Diane Day-Lewis and think, fuck, he would be an amazing Lincoln. He became Lincoln, yeah. essentially. But yeah. you, He's but a you, classic method actor. Yeah. Name. But you look at Mark Ruffalo and you think, fuck, he'd be an amazing Columbo. Mark Columbo, yeah. yeah. Mark Ruffalumbo? <laughs> that doesn't work, move on. Ruffalo? <laughs> But anyway, yeah. So I was just wondering, what what actors could you think of that just think that just clicks in your head? Fuck, they would be amazing for that character. Ooh, me and right. me and Heron had a discussion about this a couple weeks back. Now, I'll I'll focus more on the role of, of Batman because I think it it, it it seems like no, I know, but I think that there's no other role in cinema or, or just in general that gets more attention than Batman because it is such a, like a pop culture. That is more played out than Batman. It is more played out, but I mean. <laughs> Anything that Batman's recast, it's it's this huge thing, and who's it going to be? And so many, you know, so many people have so many different ideas of what Batman should be, or what he should look Dead. like, or what he should sound like, or whatever. <laughs> but me and that Heron have chatted extensively, and we think that our perfect Batman would be Josh Brolin. Oh, I could yeah. see, especially in see, especially in the role that the older Batman that Affleck's playing now. Obviously, Josh Brolin, he's he's in mid forties. You couldn't play the younger kind of origin story Batman, but. I think he would fit perfectly on that. Even though Affleck has won me round, it was rather hammer John Hamm. But I think John Hamm now is, is kind of settled and they're doing more comedy stuff after Mad Men. Is, is John Hamm not more a Superman type? Like he could play an old Superman? See, I just don't like Superman, but I fucking love John Hamm, as you know, so I don't want to see him play Superman. I'd rather see him do I Batman. I see John Hamm do that, I think, to be honest. Yeah, he's, he's so good. He's so, so fucking yeah. talented. Karate, karate. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu. I know, the entire Columbo Ruffalo one's really good, but I can't really think of that. I think, well, for, 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 okay, well, here, I'll give another example of what I have in my head of, this isn't an, like an actual role that exists, but like, I think Dane DeHaan has to play Leonardo DiCaprio's brother at some point. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then yeah. Michael Pitt does a weird cousin or something. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as Michael Pitt starts getting work again, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead yeah. of doing them fucking BMW ads, like, you know, can't go back to acting, Michael. You're fucking pretty good, like. You know what I mean? Like, something like an air where it just, it seems right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, he, like you could see them being brothers. Right, or okay, a, a like young that, father. That, that, is, that is a bit fucking interesting. Uh... I would say even for a role that has been cast, I mean, I think that the, he was perfect for it even before the films were made, but Ian McKellen as Gandalf. Yeah. That is absolutely perfect. Like, you can't think mm. of anybody else that as Gandalf, but another one who's perfect, uh, Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman. Oh, yeah, that that's right. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman. I would imagine him, even before him, because I'd read the book, I would have imagined him as Patrick Bateman mm. just another Definitely. weird one I would love to see like you know I know maybe it's just because I really want to see Arm Paul do well but uh, if they're ever going to use that age of like a John Connor I think he yeah. would do quite well oh fuck no damn with that we brought him up earlier on and we said and R.I.P Gandalfini would have been that perfect Hemingway oh well they always he was in that talks that he was yeah. in talks through a Hemingway film and they thought that this was his chance finally they, they, they make a march on like you know Ernest kinda, Hemingway yeah Ernest Hemingway yeah. they, make, they no. make a march they make a no, march on no. theatrical releases and stuff no, like man, that no man man you need to you need to watch Gandolfini yeah. in terms of like 
he was they such thought it a was actor. quite broad like but he, he actually he could lose weight as well you know what he did was broad him it was a kind of hefty obviously had the beard and everything yeah and yeah but uh, Gandalf I think could Tom, do anything. Tom Hardy in 20 years' time would make a perfect Hemingway. Tom Hardy's yeah. actually a phenomenal actor I as well. Because so. yeah. Hemingway is a big man. Like yeah. He served in the first... Well, he served sort of an, Italic, an Italian medic school. Yeah. But he was a big man anyway. But yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, mate. I don't want to have an answer for you. Uh, oh, that's great. I mean, we talk about Brando as well. and Yeah, or De Niro. In vast majority of his roles, you know, he's the only actor well, who can play that. No, but that's... that's. I think he's a misunderstanding the question. Yeah. It's not who's the only actor who can play it. It's... Who fits, who fits under a certain role? But see, you're asking me to come up with it's, a certain role, so I, I don't even know the character you're you're talking about. So you exactly, said, oh, make it up in your fucking head. So man. I had to come up with a film idea, and also not even a film no. idea, but the perfect person for that film right now. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Jesus. Like the two I I brought up was Mark Ruffalo's Columbo, right? Columbo established character. You can see Mark Ruffalo fitting in that I, character. What is everyone movie about fucking Columbo? No, we we've. Are you serious? <laughs> there have been like TV movies and stuff, but it's not been like a proper Hollywood production. Aye, but uh, why are you finding this hard to contemplate? I'm not just it's a fucking question on a, a fucking podcast. There's a, there's a vast expanse of different things it can and can't be. So I don't know, man. It's just, I'm finding it hard to like. It's like looking at a menu that's a thousand items long. Do you know who might be one? This might be a bit out there. Mickey as an angry fucking man. Aye, one out of twelve of them just. But uh, <laughs> don't fucking touch me. What do you call like? I would say, like just. Bear with me here. Uh, I'm done. Stanley, Stanley Tucci as Poirot. He, mm. Yes, yeah. if he can get... If he can grow a moustache, just... Which he probably, probably can. can cry, they can probably stick a fake. I mean, <laughs> he, he need, it's amazing what he can do nowadays with plastic surgery. <laughs> See the CGA these days? Hey? <laughs> Fucking unreal. They can stick a moustache on there no more. He has a gay little moustache on. Some scenes like off by one frame. Just like <laughs> off by his eyebrow or something. I'm like fucking you know, just... Aye, no. the budget ran out. <laughs> no, he's, he's standing there still giving a big speech. It's sweet. And he walks off and moustache stays where it is. Full head of hair and all. <laughs> you ever with that drinking game you do? You draw a moustache on your TV and every time it lines up with someone's face you take a drink. It's fucking uh, so good. It doesn't yeah. really work if you're watching The Will Be Blood though. It doesn't, no. Uh, <laughs> but if you watch something like, you know, uh, Casualty and just put it like about eye level, I... <laughs> Big Doctor Mustache. What? You're right. What a show! Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, Way better than Holy City. Anyone right, says different's a liar. All right, there should be good rules. I think um, there's there's that. No, but there's we, a bit we've of mentioned Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm, all right, now, as we as you were talking about it, he would have made an excellent Count Pierre Bezukov in a War and Peace film. Now you couldn't have one War and Peace film because it's too. You would it's need war in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, no war and uh, and and then peace. Oh, there's war and peace, <laughs> and then there's peace and war and war and peace, and then. But he would have made an excellent. If you've ever read that, he's an excellent character to p- play Pierre Bezukov because he's kind of a plain man who's, you know, he's a troubled man. He's trying to figure out his identity, what he is. It doesn't really come through to the very end. He would have done that really well. The way that when I read. War and Peace. I could kind of because they say he's a slightly portly man, like he's not very attractive, but he's he's got a fuckwad load of cash essentially. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but which is all that matters when it comes in. Yeah. He knows like that he's Benjamins. not very attractive, and that money has come. He's a bastard child. He knows. I reckon Philip Philip Seymour Hoffman. Could that's actually, that's actually that strange really that you well. said that because like uh, nineteen eighty four is like one of my favorite books, and uh, since I actually reread it quite recently, and for Winston Smith, the title character, even though 
he's way older than what this actor is. I can't help but now picturing him as Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. He's got this sort of like, you know, obviously this English quaintness and mm-hmm. he sort of has this like long hair and uh, this sort of, I don't know, Tom Hiddleston, even though he is Loki, he's got this frailty to him. You know, he's yeah. quite like, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and he Winston doesn't. Winston Smith is a very frail yeah, character. Yeah. Obviously he is way older, but obviously as well, if he's going to get the love of uh, Julia, he didn't, has to have some sort of attractiveness to him. did Tom Hurt play? John Hurt. John yeah, yeah, John he, Hurt, did, he, he did, yeah. It. Well, it was quite a, it was quite a good I've never seen the like, film. No, it was, it was pretty good, yeah. The yeah, only yeah. thing I've seen is watching The Guard, where The Guard, Brendan Gleeson's character is uh, O'Boyle, or Boyle, or O'Boyle. He's watching, he's watching it in his pants at yeah. one point. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. only scene I've ever seen. No, it's pretty good, but it's, it's one of those ones where it's, like, it's a timeless book that you yeah, could, you, I mean, it, it deserves to be remade and re-enjoyed all the time. I mean, it's, I think it's fantastic. Just Chatting about Tom Hiddleston too, and it's an interesting one, and it sort of fits with how you're saying. As soon as I heard that news today, it's a film that's now in production. Uh, Tom Hiddleston is now set to play Hank Williams, the famous country and western musician. And then looking at the two of them, they're actually very similar, and they do fit the purpose because they were both kind of. Tom Hiddleston can play broken, and, and, and I wouldn't even say naive, but the sort of weak willed and, and tender, soulful sort of people. And Hank Williams was that. I think, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think Hank Williams ended up, Hank Williams ended up fucking. Dying on his car on the road, you know what I mean? And it was fucking, it was it was really like up against it with with his demons. And I think it, I, I could just imagine Halston being him. I couldn't really see anybody else in that role. Like. Okay, we'll move on to Shan Coyle's topic. But Shan isn't doing a topic this week. He is following on the good work of Calm Hearn, and he is doing another installment of. <laughs> I swear, I got Ryan to done himself. <laughs> Thank you very so much, Ryan Scott from Garden. As, as I said earlier on before we were recording, that will be my uh, Windows opening song when <laughs> I knock on my laptop. It is so good. Our staff, Jungle Raider, Ryan McGarrigal. <laughs> right, so, not on song with the Hero's Journey, uh, just for like first time listeners or whatever, the Hero's Journey is essentially a uh, theory about any sort of narrative. Uh, it essentially says that every single narrative that has ever been wrote is broke up into 12 steps. And what we do is we take a random film and try and prove that theory. Now, the film tonight is Mrs. Doubtfire. So, Classic. I'm coming. At- no, it's not from that. Looks like a lady. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, not, like, not like that, though. It doesn't sound like that. Loving an elevator. <laughs> Loving it up and I'm going down. I'm just revealing himself until he pulls a Heimlich on Piers Brosnan. Ah, that's where he reveals himself. Yeah. See, and Sally Field is something like that. Hey, would you not get a go at Sally Field? Hey? <laughs> <laughs> even even her later years, I even, think she's pretty even, tidy. Even as Aunt May. Like, Stephen as Lincoln. She? Yeah. I don't think I've seen that. Stephen as Lincoln where she's playing a big doll cunt, I would smash along. Dead. See, Sally Field is the type of girl that I think you've got to change your language. Sorry. Right. I would lay down next to her and she could lay the law upon my figure. <laughs> <laughs> Dom is such a ball out, he's unreal. No, but all you this recorded saying that, man. So all, all, no, but all this is the whole podcast is for that one. <laughs> the whole constitution, I... every amendment. 
<laughs> that, that's it. Lay her law upon my thicker is Mikey, the episode Mikey, title. That is, that is, that is, that is 100%. Now the episode title. Lay the law oh upon my, my thicker. Oh, my word. No, Sally Faceskin. Oh, <laughs> Sally Jesus. We're going to have Sally Faceskin people all this. She can. All of it. The whole Actual, all of Sally's face. Every single amendment. The whole burger? Every single amendment. <laughs> in, in US in US political history. She can do it on me. I am the parchment the constitution <laughs> is written on. <laughs> oh, fuck. So you, you really saw Phil Bang, yeah? <laughs> right, so. <laughs> <laughs> the Hero's, Hero's journey. journey. Stage one, ordinary world. That's just Rob Williams bitting about with a fucking bag of cans, having a bit of crack and all the rest of it. He's, he's enjoying doing his voice acting. He's doing his voice acting, not really going anywhere, but he's enjoying himself. Sally Fields getting a wee bit fucked off with Wayne's him. being annoying as fuck as always. Like, the worst. Can, can we just draw attention to that in Mrs. Doubtfire? A uh, voice acting job is seen as a dead end job. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently yes. that's true because yes. voice acting actors get paid fucking bonus yeah. compared to proper actors do, in a world. Well, well, let's not say proper actors, Shannon's been told. They do. They well, do yeah. really well. <laughs> as it, they they survive the the media blast. Circus. Essentially, the media blast in their in their face. Up in their fist band. Yeah. They must get a few ducats. Like, yeah. Stage two called the adventure. That's when Sally Fields all what the fuck Owen's birthday party. He brought a goat down to my house. I'm sacking you. So he fucking they tell you he totally he, he fuck off straight away. Their house is class though as well. I mean, how do they fucking legal. afford all that? Stage three. Refusal of the call. He's all ah, you're never sacking me. No chance. We're not getting the divorce. He can accept it. Stage four. Meeting the mentor. Meeting the mentor is definitely his fucking brother. He's the mentor mm. because his he's all because his brother's all. Robin, you've just been sacked. What do you see that fucking masks? I have your big grand like you just go on there like <laughs> can, <laughs> can, can anybody do a good impression of his brother? Oh, I, can't, I can't even remember. Robin. I don't even know what he, he's even like. He's at got all. these he's, fucking masks. I don't know that shit. He's, no, on. he's really raspy or something. He's like ha. I got these masks. It does sound like he spoke about <laughs> yeah, 40. I you know if you saw him, he's probably him. in so many 90s films as well because he loved that crack mind. back then. Yeah. yeah, It sounds like he smoked about 95s anyway. Stage 5. It's like Nana. Sorry. <laughs> Stage five, crossing the threshold. That's obvious. It's just how cross dressing that threshold. Just <laughs> oh, baby, he doesn't get a lot of them, but one day. <laughs> Stage six, tests, allies, enemies. The allies are as Wayne, so you don't realize that it's their fucking dad and, and drag. And obviously, enemies are Pierce Brosnan. Oh, wait, and, his, and his yeah. bands. I, I want, yes. I want, I want yes. to go on. They want to buy Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan, Lance. I'm sorry, James Bond. No, James Bond. You'll be fucking about Ron Williams. Wayne's like, you know what I mean? By the way, if you look at all that film, Pierce Brosnan's actually a pretty sound guy nah, all along. Nah, that's a cunt. Stage seven. Approach. I would say just approach. It's just him having a mask on, doing the fucking washing, bit about the house with the wings and stuff like that. Aye, it's, it's him kind of getting. It's getting a filfer. Getting a filfer being Mrs. Doubtfire and being a crossdresser. Uh, stage eight ordeal death and rebirth. This doesn't really. Happen. No, 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 is him becoming a good father in the in the monsters and stuff in the guys and that's, that's and, the and, and certainly the ordeal as well is being fucking nabbed and they find out that it's, it's Rob Moyne. No, that it? happens later, does it not? I mean, like that's like this. Uh... Well, I don't know because stage nine, reward seizing the sword. His reward is the fact that his relationship with his, his children is, is way better now and, yeah. and, he, and he's kind of mended some bridges while you're fucking silly fools. I really that's things are going that's well. That's as well. But, but as Mrs. Doubtfire. As Mrs. Do- well, I don't know because at this point he's been found out because stage ten is 
the road back. He's been nabbed. He has to go back to being Robin Williams. Well, that's when he's uncovered, is the yeah. road back. Because ah, he's, he's done yeah. so he's a well. she. She's a she. She's a she. When, when, when he's well, revealed well, after he's mean. performing the Heimlich <coughs> on Piers Brosnan, they all see him. But there's... Oh, oh and they have to... You that, know, the, that's, the that's children a, look that's away. A really good, that's then, a really good sequence, though, because he's going back and forth between... The yeah, it's a, it's like a generic, you know, uh, what do you call it, sitcom thing to do. Uh, like, but oh, it was done two, very two well. Two dates to the prom. <laughs> uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. But no, he's he's really funny when he when he comes down as Mrs. Doubtfire, pish, does That's fucking scotch. <laughs> and, <he's just> <laughs> <laughs> and he's racing <laughs> off at one stage, you know, yeah, yeah. But Roy Williams is so good that, that he can like, play it off. Yeah. Side note, though, I would have let fucking Pierce Rosalind choke. Uh, they that, that is the hero's on misstep Paprika. right there. The hero's misstep. What not? The misstep, joke? yeah, when he has to come back. The hero's misstep. Because you can't, the hero can never keep going on. He has to misstep. Well, of course, and hence why the road back. So we'll say the road back as him being nabbed, having to go back to his normal life yeah. and stuff like that. Stage 11, Resurrection. That's very fucking obvious. It's a TV show? Yep, the yeah, TV the, show. Yeah. He's fucking, you know, he's got a good thing going on. Ham and Seifield, you don't know if they're fucking seeing each other on a stage. He seems to like him a lot more. See, than you know, the thing is, though, about that film, I don't think they will at all ever. No, near the I think it's more Ham coming to terms of the fact that he will never have this relationship he wanted to have with his children, but he could now be a good father. Instead of being like, you know, the wacky best friend of them, he should now not even worry about being a good husband but you know just be a damn wise up just I exactly yeah, yeah. like I do all the time yeah. stage 12 return with elixir I have no fucking I always get stuck oh, on no, stage no, no, 12 oh no 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 this he, one yeah like return with elixir is is he as arrogant with Sally at the very end no but like he, he like sh- uh, Sally lets him come in and see his kids at the end that's return with elixir ah, yeah. he actually gets to see his okay. kids and, and he takes away in the car down the street in San Francisco, Aye, and it's like, a happy ending. Like, yes, he gets to see his kids then. Yeah, That's it's sort of like, yeah, yeah. Bang. Bang! Mrs. Doubtfire hits all 12. Yeah. There we oh, are. Yeah. Fair, I would say that Mrs. Doubtfire is a fucking fantastic film. Unbelievable. There it is. You know, if I have children, they'll watch that. <laughs> but you're going to say, if I have children, I'm going to dress up as the maid. <laughs> <laughs> I can pull it off, baby. <laughs> Fun fact about Mrs. Doubtfire very first thing ever I watched on Channel 5. There you go. <laughs> that is a fact. Aye. That should be on MDB trivia yeah, page. Is, yeah. a, 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 for, a forgotten feature of Les Tomer movies, but that was a definite Dawn fact. There, like, yeah, <laughs> Dawn facts. Oh, Dawn facts. R.I.P. <laughs> He'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back at some point. Okay, and we'll move on to recommendation. Okay, I'm going to do my recommendation first. You go first, everything all night. I think you're on this podcast or something. I just want to even throw it out. <laughs> but uh, as I said, I only watched one film this week because I was super busy, so I didn't actually really have a chance to think about a recommendation. But something I did watch during the week that I do think is a good recommendation is something that just came on Netflix. And I believe either the second season is on or they're working on the second season. It's hit record on TV. Have you have you heard of this? No. Have you watched this? It's Joseph Gordon no. Levitt's uh, TV show. You recommend that TV show? Wait, unless Tom wait, wait, wait. It's Sky Atlantic. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's TV show, but uh, Joe Levitt, as I like to call him, is uh, he 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 has this production company called Hit Record, mm-hmm. and it's it's a website where some anybody can put up like a thing they want to make, and then anyone that's on the website they can contribute and so it's all about collaboration and 
it's 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 all just uh about cr- being creative and it's about community giving people a chance to maybe so, see yeah, get basically. things seen yeah and so what hit record on tv is is just it's just highlighting some of the stuff that they actually do on the website so they they show short films and they do songs and that even even like uh musical numbers like like from a musical and stuff like they write their own stuff and do yeah, the yeah. choreography and all and it's just it's just basically like a creative hub for people that they can go and contribute. And I've watched the first two episodes of the series. I believe there's eight episodes in the series, but uh, even in the first two episodes, there's about four short films. Excellent. And so it's it's a really good place, just even just to be inspired, because yeah. it's just what what just Gordon Levitt's uh, Jogo Levitt, sorry, uh, <laughs> message and and why he even called the company Hit Record is. All you have to do is hit record and do something. Yeah. Don't be afraid. That's that's the whole philosophy behind uh, Joe Golavitz's uh, hit record production company. And just that's why I think the TV show is really inspiring. And mm. it's still kind of counts films because they do do short films. Okay. Well, so you fuck you if you don't think it's a TV show. No. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things. <laughs> My recommendation this week is uh, The Parallax View. It's a uh, 1974 mm. Fallen by uh, Alan Pakula. It's part of his uh, Paranoia Thriller trilogy, which is actually quite interesting that uh, you brought up... What was, what was the, the conversation. You brought, you brought up the conversation yeah. earlier on that kind of fell under that. Uh, oh, I meant to ask earlier, is there a line when Gene Hackman says, we need to have the conversation? <laughs> there isn't, sadly, because if there was, I would definitely bring it up. I think I think at that point, the film had just broken through. Yeah. <laughs> and when yeah. I just completely took it. Yeah, up. the film was good before that line, and then it was awful but yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, part of uh, the Paranoia trilogy, you got the Clute, then you've got uh, the Parallax View, and then you've got all the President's Men. It's such a tightly constructed film. It's mm. obviously the early 70s. It's literally just after Watergate. The whole thing about the film is it's almost like a recreation of the the Robert Kennedy and the JFK assassinations. And there was a huge, huge paranoia in America at the time. There was a huge mm. paranoia about big business about government where the country was going who was actually running the country and it captures that so well it's Warren Beatty uh, he is uh, this journalist who's trying to investigate the murder of a senator in Seattle and as he goes into it he finds this uh, sort of shady government run organisation who are essentially training psychopaths they kill uh, political targets or people that they don't want in the picture and as he goes in there, you know, that the framing gets tighter and he starts to almost believe in this sort of thing. And there's a very famous scene where almost like a clockwork around you sitting watching uh, this. One of the tests that this company does is this flurry of images of like war and peace and violence and happiness and family. Like a almost like a, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah. Almost a little like a, technique. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like almost like a hypnosis sort of thing. And then as the film goes on, he just sees how deep it goes. But uh, it's I, I say this a lot, but it's definitely a film of its time period. It's almost like a time capsule. But I think that it's one of those films that as time goes on and as time passes, it actually becomes more, more and more yeah. prescient because more and more people are getting more and more suspicious of who, in fact, is in charge. But definitely give it a watch. It's a, it, Even on the most basic level, if you take away the whole uh, politicised nature of it, it's just a really good thriller that really draws you in. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, Dom. Dom. Recommendation. My recommend. Excuse me. My recommendation. <laughs> now here, we'll go to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my recommendation is a uh, Blue Velvet. Yeah, Blue I mean, Velvet. I I love that film. I mean, uh, obviously David Lynch is phenomenal, but uh, I remember one time as well. I, I was living after university. I was working a job down in Belfast, and I went and showed Blue Velvet to one of my friends, Kieran Mullen, 
Kim all doesn't really watch like you know a challenging film or whatever and I said oh we should watch this and at the end of it he said don't ever show me a film again and it was so hurt or you know at least you know it was like it really hit him some part impactful and then afterwards I talked to him afterwards and he said actually that was one of the best films I've ever seen I think that's the effect that film has on people it's uh now it's dark it's it, it's really well constructed it, it seems at the very start like a obviously you know they go in uh the ear with the ants crawling around mm-hmm. it and you know uh and then you come out the very end and there's so many like uh we directorial tricks that go on during that film but uh it's absolutely phenomenal there's so many amazing shots and so many amazing scenes and it's just so well wrote and so lynching i mean yeah. Honestly, I, I, if I start talking about the film, I won't shut up about it. But watch, yeah. Blue, if you haven't watched Blue Velvet, just watch Blue Velvet. It is so good. Dom, right. have you got your faculties? I, my my film is Blue Jasmine. Ah, yes, oh, Blue Jasmine. No, the two blues. My my recommendation is Blue, Blue Valentine. <laughs> Hot on the hills of uh, sex tape. Uh, I was <laughs> I was looking around. Thinking, oh, Blue Jasmine. Maybe it'd be like Life Jasmine. Or maybe no, 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 a no, Blue no, Movie. No. <laughs> There's so was, many conversations. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was a really good film, and it was it was really good to watch. Kate Blanchett played a socialite really She's well. Phenomenal. Failing, failing, because she she is essentially that's the whole point of the film. She fails as a socialite. She thinks she's doing really well. She's almost a failure as a person too. I mean, I, I like the aye, fact aye, that, aye, aye. that that it's essentially it's 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 a modernized streetcar named Desire. Mm. She's basically the new Dubois. You know aye. what I mean? This huge socialite who had all this money who's now failed and has to live on a fucking working class earth. And he, you, you, for so many times, you think, ah, just fucking, you know, buck buck yourself up, sort yourself up. Yeah. But I didn't actually get to finishing it in time. All right. No, because I was still watching it until <laughs> until we you for the until an, an hour before the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which so, was which was seven was, hours ago. We were sitting here so long. Bobby Cannavale. Bobby, He's always so good. He was, he, he plays Bobby character Cannavale. really well. Louis C.K. He plays character really well. Yeah. And he got. To, she was she was getting with a boy. I don't even know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. But anyway, you saying? Eh? It was a good film. It was a good film. If it, I could finish it. You're, you're excited to see the last 40 minutes. Your recommendation is a film you haven't even seen. Well, Mickey doesn't no, even no, fucking no, see no, his no, film no. last week at no, all. No, but it's, it's a good film because you're, you're watching someone who's struggling with mental illness. Mm-hmm. And she really is. Mm. And that's something that Hollywood has tiptoed around a wee bit. Now, if it gets to sort of minor mental illness, like depression or oh, autism, anxiety, or Rain Man or whatever. Or, yeah, yeah. No, no, you could do it Rain Man style, but that's that's big, and mm, they'll, yeah. they'll make a point of that. But if you do it on just a minor level, which is oh yeah, how my, mental my, my uncle's illness, actually a bit mentally ill, yeah, but yeah, yeah. How yeah. how you mental? Don't really do that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. How yeah. mental illness actually. Really is. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Kate Blanchett isn't quite mentally, but she's definitely going through a nervous breakdown, which is she, making her yeah. an uneasy person. So the whole point of the film is she's going through yeah. a mental and breakdown. And the one thing I will say is that you will not be disappointed over the last 40 months. It is a very good show. One of Woody Allen's best ones recently, anyway. Uh, and it was, yeah, yeah, I didn't Woody watch Allen all of Woody Allen's. And thank you very much, Shan. Because mm-hmm. I really... I'm, 
I hate the fact that I had to leave the film and come to this because I really wanted to see the ending. Last time when Ruby's gotten away of enjoying movies. <laughs> it's not been the first time, it won't no, be the last. We've become a paradox, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find us on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com forward slash less talk more movies podcast. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at, at talkmoremovies. If you'd like to email us, you can find us. You can email us at lesstalkmoremovies at gmail.com. You may notice I'm saying this part slightly slower this week, and the reason for that is Colm Heron texted me during the week and said, do we have a Twitter account? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I've said it in front of him maybe about ten times. <laughs> so I'm just saying a bit slower I in, ca- in, case, no. in case it gets a bit lost in my fastness. So, uh... Also, you can uh, leave us comments, reviews, and also rate us on iTunes, Stitcher. We're also on Acast, where you get interactive show notes and links. It's the best place to listen to this. Thank you so much for listening again. I have been your host, Michael Breslin. Shan Coyle's been Shan Coyle. Dan Kiln's been Dan Kiln. Oh, you? Dom Phelan? (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. Episode 16. Oh, yeah, baby. baby. Come down to the baby. Let's cuddle up and talk about some movies. Grease up my motherfucking gun. Slide it. Slide that bow in the chamber. She cuddle up outside up next to me, but she describes me like a fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, that's fucking on. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.